Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of warm and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Republican Josh Cantro, Democrat Dave Lundy, Republican Mike Miller from DePaul University, and Democrat Rebecca Sy. Our program tonight coming to you from our home base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, where our phone lines are open toll-free at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's Bruce Dumont at museum.tv. If you want to send me a tweet, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. And again, you can join us on the World Wide Web at beyondthebeltway.com. If you ever miss this program, it's always at that website. And, of course, you can join us live, audio and video, by going to our Facebook page, Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont. And, again, get a little pencil and paper because I'm going to be bringing some attention to that a little bit later on, and hopefully uh, uh, you'll, you'll hop on the page if you're not already a friend. We have lots to, uh, lots to discuss, as we always do this evening, and uh, some uh, new races have certainly been called. It's now official uh, that Brian uh, Kemp is the new governor-elect of uh, Georgia, uh, beating uh, Stacey Abrams, and also in uh, the final vote in the Senate, uh, Rick Scott has, has beat Senator Nelson in Florida, and again, uh, Ron DeSantis uh, was declared a couple days ago the new governor-elect of the state of Florida. So it was a good night uh, for Republicans in the state of Florida, and also it was a good night for them on election night insofar as the governor of that state, Mike DeWine. But we're going to talk about that and other stories this evening. Dave Lundy, you're one of our card-carrying uh, Democrats here this evening. First of all, congratulations for your role in the election of J.B. Pritzker as the new Democratic governor of Illinois. I know you're longtime friends, and so uh, you've spoken about him for many years, and uh, good luck to you and congratulations to the new governor of Illinois. Thank you. We're very excited. He's going to need a lot of help. Let me ask you the question. Uh, you're a partisan Democrat. Uh, how do you assess uh, the good news and the bad news for uh, your party on election night? Was it, was it almost all Good news or you have some bad news? Well, I, I would say that it was overwhelmingly good news. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the expectation was that Democrats would take the House. But as it got closer and closer to Election Day, uh, there were a lot of folks who were putting that in doubt. Um, the fact that we're going to come up with a, uh, a win of about 38 uh, uh, Democrats in the House. Uh, and uh, uh, we won the, the vote the percentages by about 7%, which is equivalent. Were you worried early in election night, though? I was not. You were not? Okay. I was not, no. Okay. Um, in fact, you, you, you may recall I, I was posting to all of my, what I refer to as my bedwetting Democratic friends, <laughs> not to worry. <laughs> Josh Cantrell joins us. He's our card-carrying Republican tonight. Josh, uh, your assessment of uh, the pluses and minuses for the president and the Republican Party and its future. Well, I mean, the, the plus is that uh, Ohio is a plus, uh, the, the fact that uh, we carried both of the major races in Florida is a plus, uh, and that uh, uh, Ted, Ted Cruz won against uh, $72 million in Beto O'Rourke. But a lot of minuses. We lost the suburbs. There's a big problem when you lose the suburbs of Dallas, Houston, and Oklahoma City. We got wiped out in Orange County, which is the bastion of conservatism and one of the founding counties of conservatism. It's uh, a, a 
right. big problem. And so I, I, I believe that overall it was not a good night for Republicans and that we need to change course. By the way, one uh, for regular listeners, uh, at the beginning of this year, was the first mm-hmm. show of this year, uh, we had the vice chairman of the California Democratic Party, Mr. Gonzalez, who's been a guest on this show a number of times. He predicted a wipeout, that the Republicans would be wiped out. So congratulations to you for <laughs> prognosticating correctly what wow. was happening in your state. Rebecca wow. Seib, making your first appearance in this program. Nice to have you with us. Thank You've you. written a book called a Vote Her In, right. which is a guide to electing a Republican or a- electing a woman president and a uh, uh, long time involved in Democratic politics. What was your reaction? And again, uh, uh, since uh, getting people and women elected is one of your cause celebs, you must be... Uh, very, very happy. Over the moon. Absolutely. There are uh, going to be more women in the next Congress than there have ever been in American history, uh, both in the Senate and the House. And they are more diverse, both in terms of their own backgrounds and experience and in where they live and who they represent uh, than we've ever had before. So it's a remarkable time. And at the same time as they... Uh, take their seats are going to be women announcing for the presidency on both sides. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be a big year for us. Should you, um, uh, should they all support the incumbent speaker, Nancy Pelosi? Is that, is that part of what you would like to see happen now for the party? I believe that uh, all Democrats should support Nancy Pelosi. I I think that uh, she's clearly the best person for the job. She's proven that both as speaker and as leader of the minority party, and her list of accomplishments uh, in terms of legislation is remarkable. I have read that Mm. people said that uh, she has been the most productive speaker since Lyndon Johnson, Mm. and I think that's right. Mm. Let's go to Mike uh, Miller. Mike, you're a card-carrying Republican, although you are not a Trump Republican. You do not support Donald Trump. You say that every time you're on this show, Mm -hmm. or I say it. Yep. And uh, yet you're a political animal as well. how difficult was the night for Republican futures? Uh, it was, it's going to be tough in the 2020. But there's one thing that none of you are mentioning. Uh, we kept the Senate. And that's what's going to matter when it comes to the courts. And that's why I was so pleased that Mr. Trump did win and that Hillary did not get in there. And also being one who uh, I'm a conservative Republican, which means I like small government, we now have gridlock much more than we would have before, and I'm perfectly fine with gridlock. So the, the excesses of Mr. Trump will be stopped. The excesses of the Democrats will be stopped by the Senate and by the veto pen. So I, I think this is not necessarily a bad thing. And so many things can happen between now and 2020, including, say, 36 different candidates for the Democratic uh, presidential thing, and who knows what will happen among those 36 or however many uh, Dave, I want to get back to you. Uh, insofar as just looking at the, at the overall, I want to get to, to, to Mike's point, that conservatives and evangelicals were and continue to be an important part of Donald Trump's base. They want judges. They want Supreme, they've already got two Supreme Court justices that being able to confirm and, and, and run people through the Senate is the most important thing to them, more than taxes, more than anything else. And because of that, maybe that's one of the reasons why Donald Trump thinks in his head that he won on election night. Yeah, I'm not sure Donald Trump actually really thinks that. And if you look at his behavior since— you? Do I think does Donald that, Trump no, won that, an election? No, does that make some sense to you? Oh, no, I, look, clearly, clearly— 
you know, the, the party that controls the Senate, if they also control the White House, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. packing the courts with, you know, uh, conser- the courts. well, packing the courts with conservatives in this regard, because during Obama's tenure, the Republicans uh, forced cloture motions and filibuster on every single judge. Mm-hmm. And they blocked the Senate from working in a way that frankly compelled Harry Reid to invoke the nuclear option for lower court judges. Um, And, you know, look, I I don't think it really mattered that much because, um, uh, as Donald Trump clearly demonstrated, he doesn't stand on ceremony. So if the nuclear option hadn't been invoked then, it was going to be invoked now. But if you were concerned about keeping the conservatives and the evangelicals on your team, it's better to win the Senate than the House. I want to get everybody's reaction to that when I come back. That was my statement, 1-800-723-8289. That's the phone number. We get your statements as well. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight from Chicago. Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760-799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at briansellsthedesert.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, Rosewell, Oregon is one of our new affiliates tonight. Welcome to all of our listeners for the first time. Actually, we got a call last week, so uh, Oregon joined us last week. And also Missoula, Montana, beautiful city. Mm. They join us tonight. It's nice to hear from uh, Montana. If you want to give us a call this evening, 1-800-723-8289. Rebecca, you were going to make a point about uh, whether it's better to, for a conservative to have the House or the Senate. I I think it's a false equation is what I wanted to say, because I think that, uh, you know, you can't, you need both houses. uh, And while the Senate may be able to confirm a number of judges, I think that, you know, that string's going to run out well before uh, President Trump runs for reelection, because I think he's going to be in deep trouble. And I think those U.S. senators who have to run that year are going to be looking to save their own necks, not his necks. So I think there's an open question as to what the politics will be as we look at these uh, judgeships and a further open question as to whether Nancy Pelosi, who I believe will be the speaker and other members of the Democratic majority, will be able to create policies, for instance, on infrastructure that Republicans want to support and that the president will support. But would you acknowledge that if, if you looked at the Brett Kavanaugh equation, the Republicans won on the Brett Kavanaugh nomination, with the exception of John Tester. But it's a different time now. We're in a whole different ball game, to coin a cliche. Really? So, so yes, we are. Two weeks ago? I don't agree with that at all. As long as what Bruce said is right, what the conservatives want are the judges 
going through, and that is going to continue. There may be an open Supreme Court seat that comes up or two in the next two years. As long as Donald Trump can do that, he's going to keep the conservative base happy. Right. So it was very important to keep the Senate. No question about it. I'd rather have the Senate than the House. Um, but going back to something that Dave said before the break, I mean, talked about obstruction. And I, I admit McConnell did a great job of obstructing. I, I will admit that. You've, you've bragged about that. Oh, and I bragged about it. And I think – but he learned his craft from Harry Reid, who my Democrat friends – bragged about that, too. Harry, Harry Reid never, dropped. never did okay, what... Guys, we're look, let, let's look forward. Let's look forward. Uh, I want to ask one, one more question about the analysis, because I did not see much of this uttered at all on the national uh, shows that, that looked into the race, and that is the Democrats did take control. Looks like they're going to be about 40 seats right now, 38, 40 seats. They started the election with 45 Republican incumbents not running. Now, I think a lot of them didn't run because they didn't like Donald Trump. They didn't like the, the climate in Washington, whatever the reason was. They thought they were going to lose. That's true. They were, but they were 40, concerned about but 40, someone. Would you acknowledge that 45 open seats also had something to do with the Democrats' good night? They, they had good candidates, but again, you know, when you relinquish and, it, you, and you take a seat and turn it into an open seat, that generally isn't good for the party that holds the seat. It's a chicken-egg thing, Bruce. The reason that these people did not run, the reason you had record retirements of Republicans this year, was the same reason you had record retirements of Democrats in 2010, because they they were swimming upstream, um, they were they had a, a horrible climate. They had to defend a president that was unpopular, whether I think Barack Obama should have been is irrelevant. Um, he was unpopular. And so you have those retirements. So the fact is, Democrats ran on an incredibly unfriendly playing field because these were mostly uh, Trump seats. There are some that were Hillary seats, but most of these seats are Trump seats. I mean, we're talking about Orange County here. Mm, yeah. um, and it was a bloodbath. Josh, to your point, I give you credit for acknowledging I, the suburban bloodbath. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and spin and say that this was a great uh, night for the Republicans. I mean, if you look forward in mm. where we are and what the map's going to look like in 2020, Arizona's in play now. Texas may be in play. Georgia, we only won by one percentage point. There is a problem. But my point is we have time to fix it. It's two years away. And can you fix it with your president? Yeah, that's, I think, the question. That is a good question. Can you fix it with the president you have and all kinds of problems he didn't have before because his party controlled both houses? And secondly, because what I believe we learned was that voters across the board are very concerned about health care. And that's going to become an even bigger issue as the Democrats take over. So I don't think oh. there's time to fix or an inclination to fix. Mike? Oh, I just uh, health care. Uh, are you involved in Obamacare? Do you buy Obamacare? My family does. Mike and has our, had and, a very and, bad experience with I, Obamacare. Yeah, well, the fact that you can keep your doctor... My one son, in five years, of, uh, has had uh, four different plans. And the, uh, the uh, uh, monthly pay went up three times, 300% increase. It's supposed to save money. So, uh, you know, uh, health care, I don't think it's an issue. Would you rather have nothing for him or No, there was something. There was, there was. There was iChip before that. Yeah. Oh, there was iChip before Marty in Rockwood, Tennessee, listening to us on WNOX. Nice to hear from the Volunteer State. Go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's a great program tonight. Thank you. 
I was I heard you introducing the people, and I noticed you didn't have no conservatives on there. Yeah, I, oh, yes, I, actually, I'd say I'm a conservative. We have two conservatives here, sir. Well, you li- okay, you listed them as Republicans. Yeah. And that's well, they I'm are Republicans. Uh, okay. One, one okay. is not there's, a big wait, one is not a big fan of President Trump. Oh. But I okay, think he's but, I think he's more of a, a fan for President Trump than he was I am. candidate Trump. I am. But go ahead with okay. your point. But I would just like to bring a conservative point of view to you, okay? You look at Florida, okay? Georgia, Tennessee. Did you keep up with the Senate race in Tennessee? Yes, Marsha Blackburn. Okay, right. Marsha Marsha Blackburn won ninety two of ninety five counties. Right. Okay. Look at Indiana. Missouri, North Dakota, what the Republican Party is slowly learning, this is not the Republican Party anymore. It's the Trump Party, and it's the conservative party, and we're winning. Mm-hmm. Okay, Marty, let me ask you this question, okay? You're, okay, calling, you're calling from Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee also, I mean, historically— Tennessee is is viewed as a moderate state. I think you would say that Lamar Alexander is a moderate Republican. He's not a he's not a hard conservative Republican. You are correct. Marsha Blackburn is, and she won right. and she won in that race. Let me just finish. But would okay. you acknowledge that when people are running all over the United States, the Republicans that are your neighbors in Rockwood, Tennessee, may have a different perspective on issues that are important to them? If they live in Shaker Heights, Ohio, or Wheaton, Illinois, or any of the suburbs, absolutely. okay. So a- again, you can't one one message one message, and maybe one messenger is not something you can do. It doesn't necessarily right. work. That's what we're that's what we're talking about now. Right. How do you put right. the pieces together? Because the conservatives will want to keep running candidates like Marsha Blackburn in Tennessee. They won't want to do that in Illinois or California or New York or Pennsylvania or Michigan. Right. I don't think. That's right. Well, okay, let me look, let's look at Scott in Michigan, how conservative he is and how close he came to winning. He was a nobody. But my main point was it was just a great night for conservatives and a bad night for Republicans in the House. And Lindsey Graham and Marco Rubio, they're in the Kavanaugh they begin to realize this isn't the old Republican Party no more. It's the Trump Party. We run with Trump. We win with Trump, or we're going to lose with okay. Trump. All right, let's, 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 let our, not, let's let our let's let our two thing, one more thing. Okay, please. I want to I want to let our two conservatives. They're both conservative <laughs> Republicans. Well, you said Republicans. Well, so that, well, I, I, I can you, I say one more thing? Can yeah. I say one more thing? Well, yes. I'm, okay, where's Trumpsters? We're not coming back to the Republican Party. I understand that. If they want want us, they're going to come to us, just like Marsha, just like Florida, just like Missouri, just like Indiana. I've enjoyed talking to you. Well, stay on the line. We're going to let we're going to let them we're going to let our guests now talk to you. So, 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 so Marty, I I welcome the chance to to speak with you. Um, I am a Republican and I appreciate your views, but I'm, I'm here in Illinois and Republicans in Illinois have to run differently than Republicans in Tennessee do. And I hope you would, 
would acknowledge that, yes, the Senate, I am very happy we flipped four seats. We're coming in with an expanded majority in the Senate. Conservatives flipped it. Conservatives flipped it, not okay. Republicans. But, but if you'll, if you'll, okay. I, I understand, but we have to run nationally. We have to figure out a way to right. win in 2020. Okay. And if that includes having a bit of a bigger tent than just Trump Republicans or conservatives, I think we're going to have to look at doing that. And it's going to be very important because otherwise, how do you explain what happened in Georgia and Texas and Arizona and states like that that have traditionally been Republican where we lost or almost let me, lost? Let me answer that, please. Go Can ahead. I answer that? Yes. Steve Spurrier said I would ha- rather have an ugly win than a close loss. You know, so we had ugly wins. But with the states you just named, Texas, a conservative wanted. You can't get more conservative than Ted Cruz, right. can you? Right. People in Illinois, I love them. I drove a truck through there many years. Scott in Michigan tried it on the conservative ticket, basically, and he almost won. Somebody in Illinois needs to step up and try. Well, you know, one, one, one state, by the way, that uh, shocked a lot of people, and many, both Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives, might say that has become a swing state, from a Republican state to a swing state, is the great state of Arizona, which now has a well, Democrat, a Democrat U.S. senator right. elect. And when we come back, we're going to hear from a caller in Arizona, and he is going to give us a perspective from what's happening out there. And thank you for your perspective from Rockwood, Tennessee. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly. loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Coming back on the air. Cashing the checks. Bruce Dumont back in That's Chicago. Disgusting. Thanks very much for joining us. We had a little debate wow. between our in our commercial break. Um, if you're a longtime listener to this program, you know that once upon a time, many, many years ago, we had a 
uh, a regular on this program who was a conservative Republican. His name was Kenton McCarthy. He moved to Arizona. He's been gone for a long, long time. But he called me this past week because he wanted to kind of weigh in on what's happening with Arizona because it was one of the big stories of, uh, of election night. And I think it continues to be a big, big story for the next two years. So, Kenton, welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. Give me your assessment of uh, the transition that apparently is taking place in Arizona. Well, the, the trans- oh, good, to, good to talk to you, Bruce. Good. The transition is, is kind of obvious with the results. You can look at the results in several ways. One is nominally, yeah, we know a Democrat won. You can look at the process and you could say, was there, were there people inside the, the Maricopa County recorder who put their thumbs on the scales of the tabulation? And there's probably enough smoke there to look at it. But at this point, the GOP should probably just lick its wounds and move on. Um, but you also look, you have to look at the backdrop of the state. The state is getting purplier for a number of reasons. Uh, it, was, it was a red state. It wasn't necessarily a conservative state if you, if you believe that McCain, neither McCain nor Flake were, were true conservatives. Mm-hmm. Um, Flake was more of a libertarian, and McCain was only interested in serving one thing, and that was John McCain. So the voter base is changing. In Maricopa County, which is the the bulk of the state of the voters, Republicans still outnumber Democrats on the registration polls, but independents are getting bigger, and they are realizing their effectiveness, and they're starting to throw their weight around, and they're looking at candidates, at, at not, necessarily, not necessarily ideologically, but how they're going to behave in Washington. Because you have, one of the big stories was we had a big gap between Doug Ducey, the governor's victory, and Martha McSally's loss. So nominally you would, you would see, it would indicate that there was a lot of Republicans who would vote for Ducey and then turn around and vote for Christian Cinema. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a lot of people are trying to explain that. Well, Ducey is a good—he is a good, quiet, Trump-like governor. He's a good manager, good PR, good name recognition, and very well liked. Martha McSally may have been more of a purple candidate, and as we've seen in this latest election, purple candidates tend to give you blue results. I also made a comment, uh, actually right before this break, but also I think a couple of weeks ago in this program. I did, and and she was on, uh, McSally was on basically Fox News pretty much, you know, nonstop for the last two weeks of the campaign. I never thought she came across as a good candidate. I mean, just looking at the, you know, at, at, at the stock of a candidate, uh, she didn't seem to be very uh, efficient or effective. No, she reminds me of Fred Thompson when he was running for president mm-hmm. and someone asked him about his enthusiasm, and he kind of ranked it like, I'm kind of five-eighths committed. Right. You, you got that feeling from McSally that she was just going through the motions, whereas cinema, she's been my representative for the past six years, so I've watched her closely move up through the ranks. And I knew right away when she left the State House to go to Washington, she had 
a vision of being in the Senate. Mm-hmm. And she played it very smart. Right. It was very calculated. She came across as probably the bluest of blue dog Democrats, marketed herself well, worked the community, worked the name recognition, worked the brand, worked the fundraising. And became she was a good likeable. politician. She was a very was good politician. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly. She, she did it the That's way you're supposed do. to do it. And the fact <laughs> of the matter is that uh, you probably know this: that the research shows, and this is really important for what's going to happen going forward, that when women have the chance to run, they do typically as well as men do. They are able to uh, get out there, make their case, market themselves, as you put it, Democrat or Republican. We're in an age when there is uh, equal. Uh, talent in doing this. So I don't think it should come as a surprise. And all those other women who ran didn't win because by the luck of the draw, they also won because they are very good politicians. Can I ask a question about McSally? Go ahead. Because I hear hear Kenton uh, describing McSally as as purplish and purple purple Republicans lose. Um, uh, She was all Trump. She was all in. She was all caravan all the time. Um, Only at, at the end. At the well, end. you didn't you didn't see or hear the ads down here. The one thing you never heard in this campaign in, on either side of the aisle was you never heard the two words border wall. You never heard them once. Border security became almost a ancillary issue. It became very personal. It got really nasty. And when when an outside pack group called Defend Arizona came in, and once they cleared Kelly Ward out of the field um, by trashing her, they went after cinema on some really trivial stuff that happened 15, 20 years ago. So if, if you were looking for a Trump-like campaign, you didn't see it in McSally. The only thing you saw or heard from McSally was she was an Air Force pilot. She also and said... Sorry, it she. Got to, it got to, the, it got to yeah. the point where that was getting. It was getting. We yep. were Air Force pilot fatigued. Yes. Away from her. Right. Right. Well, but let's, we got to talk about what she tried to do on health care and what Republicans tried to do on health care around the country, after voting against Obamacare and voting to repeal it sixty, seventy times. Uh, McSally and a lot of other uh, Republicans came out and said, well, I've always been for defending free existing conditions. I've, I've never been against that. How could you say that about me? Um, and she ran ads claiming that she was. And, and those ads all over the country didn't pass the laugh test. So I think health care was at least, it, it, with respect to Mike and his objections to Obamacare, that was at least as important as the fact that she wasn't for a border wall strong enough. Josh has got a question for you, Kenton. So, Kenton, I have uh, several friends in Arizona, Republicans, uh, who all voted for cinema, and they told me that that was a way to send a message um, that they don't like Trump, but they also voted for uh, Doug Ducey. Doug Ducey, yeah. Are are you hearing that from others? I I do hear that, and there is... There's this overhang, there's this psychological overhang of John McCain and Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake... Um, is very is very well liked in the LDS community. He's he's liked around the state, and the perception is that Trump Trump ran him off and scared him away from running again. And he's so, and he's liked in the cocktail parties of Georgetown. Yes, very much so. And now he's re, now he's refashioned himself as a as some something like a Christ 
Buddha and Gandhi. Um, mm. Together. On, on, if you look at his Twitter page, it's nothing but sanctimony unlimited. It, it, it's, it's painful to watch him on TV. I can't imagine uh, him being my senator. But do either of you imagine him running as challenging Donald Trump in the primary or seeking an independent run? As in words, is he starting to believe some of this uh, adoration that he gets from uh, the media? Well, he, he, if he believes it, he's got to at some point accept the fact that, that Trump, whether you like him or not, has broken the model of Republican candidates in the future right. for almost any office. So if he thinks he's going to run as a quote-unquote conservative from Arizona for the presidency, and his whole M.O. is running against Trump and Trumpology, I don't think it's going to get very far either here or nationwide. Now, your other senator there, John Kyle, who was appointed by Governor Ducey, uh, allegedly has said he only wants to serve through the end of the year. At this moment in time, are there a lot of people saying that they hope that John Kyle stays where he is? Or are there people saying, let's appoint McSally? Are there still people out there that are saying, let's appoint Kelly Ward because she's more conservative? Who, who's blowing well, in the governor's ear at the moment, and what are they saying? Well, conservatives, obviously, we'd love to have John Kyle as long as we could keep him. But okay. if he holds, if, if he says, I want to be out by Jan of 19, then Ducey's got a tough choice to say, do I want to appoint a a popular but electoral loser in McSally to fill that out? Or do I go full Trump and bring in Kelly Ward, who's twice been beaten back by the establishment? Canton, can I ask you this? McSally, who I've met on several occasions when she's been here in Chicago, is great in small meetings. I mean, I, I, it, it shocks me to hear that she's not a good candidate. And, of course, I didn't follow the ads or anything that was really going on other than reading about it. But you look at her resume. I mean, fire pilot, and then she's done some really cool things in her life. I don't get why she's a bad candidate. Can you enlighten me? War heroes don't win elections all the time. Well, Bob Dole, yeah. John yeah. McCain. That, that's, that's true. George Bush. Doesn't happen. She, she, George you know, Bush won before he lost. On, <laughs> on paper, she looks good. White Eisenhower. Well, that's a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, but, yeah, but she, we've got, we've her got, resume, her resume is outstanding. We've got she less, just, Kenton, we've got less than 15 seconds left. I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to ask you to bore down and give me a quick 10 second answer. Do you think Kyle stays? Will he stay or will Ducey look to somebody else? I think Kyle will stick around. Okay, and that would be good news for the conservatives. That would be good news for everyone. Okay, thanks very much for being with us. Kenton McCarthy, longtime guest on this program for many years, and again, he joins us from his new palatial home in Arizona. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly with another idea. What if Donald Trump changes his ticket for 2020? Back shortly. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? 
It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City, just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood. We're back on the air, guys. Listen up. Don't swear. Um... (laughs) Darn. We are going to, uh, I, I teased this before the break, because last, uh, last Tuesday on my uh, Facebook page, and by the way, this is the Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont Facebook page. Uh, send me a request. I will, I will befriend you, okay, so you can hear th- stuff like this uh, days in advance. I made this suggestion, and this was purely a suggestion. It was a Beyond the Beltway floating of an idea, and the idea is this. President Trump, in the wake of what happened, uh, you know, on Election Day, he's got to do something to, to shore up support with Republicans and Republican women. And I suggested that he ask Nikki Haley Bingo. to be his running mate Amen. in 2020 and to say nice things about Mike Pence. And here's what I said. The national media has already started looking ahead to 2020 and conversations about the possible Democratic field. But what about the Republicans? I am floating this idea for discussion from beyond the Beltway. President Trump should ask Nikki Haley to replace Mike Pence as his running mate. She would help to secure GOP suburban women votes. Let Trump let let Trump appoint Pence to a key administration role after his reelection. Nikki adds to the Democratic ticket, and again, we got lots of reaction, including from some people around this table. And uh, you mentioned that you think, uh, Rebecca, that there may be a Republican in the race uh, in 2020 when you were talking about your hope of more women entering right. politics. exactly. So I open this up for discussion. And we'll wow. start with you because uh, uh, you uh, responded, one of the first to respond, John. Yes, I responded to your post, and then I put that out there to uh, my Facebook world as well and got a ton of responses to it. But you I, didn't take credit for it, though, did you? <laughs> I, di- I didn't no, take credit. No, you didn't. That's good. No, no. I, 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 just, I just threw it out there. But here's the thing. This, to me, is a no-brainer. It is absolutely a no-brainer. The response that I got from my conservative friends on Facebook would be, was, well, if he dumps pants, then he's going to lose uh, true conservatives and that Nikki Haley is just a rhino. You know what? Trump is not going to lose conservatives because of what I said earlier. He's going to keep appointing conservative judges to the courts, which he's going to be able to do because we have the Senate. And that's going to keep the conservatives and evangelicals happy. So what Trump needs to do finally, two years into his term, is work on expanding his base. And this is a way to do it. And send her to every suburb in America. I want to get Rebecca as a Democrat. I I want to get your thought on that. 
Well, as, as a woman, I would start by saying I'd love to see more women on presidential tickets. So I think that uh, the more diversity there is in uh, leadership positions or leadership opportunities, the better it is for everyone in terms of policymaking and political opportunity. I also had that same thought. I think many of us have thought about Nikki Haley as someone who could easily run for president, not just vice president. Right. And I think the open question to get to the particulars, which I don't have the answer to, is if you look at the big states that uh, Trump won, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Ohio, that gave him uh, the victory last time, uh, the numbers of voters there were small. And if any significant number of those women who voted for him decided, no, he's bad news, we're going to vote for the Democratic candidate, who I think will be a centrist, not a person on the left, Mm -hmm. uh, then it's not going to matter if Nikki Haley's on the ticket as a political matter. But I do think it matters greatly uh, for women to see women in leadership positions, and I'm all for that. Okay. uh, Dave Lundy. I, uh, as a political move, as a political move, I think it would be a, a good move, but not a great move. Um, I, I think that as much as Josh um, has expressed his Nikki love for um, months and years, in fact, yes. um, uh, so you may have had the first been the first to express it that way. But Josh was all there. OK, already. very good. Um, but as much as that Josh likes her and that's great. Um, a, vice presidents don't decide tickets, um, generally speaking, because Nikki Haley can go talk to the suburbs all she wants, and Donald Trump will tweet something outrageous and inflammatory and disgusting, and it will undo all the goodwill that she builds. Second of all, I don't think she's going to do it. I, I don't think she wants to do that. I don't think she would do it, because Nikki Haley, to your point, Rebecca, is ideally positioned as a post-Trump Republican right. um, for the nomination. Why would you get the Trump taint on you? Because the only way Trump likes, likes it is if you are a sycophant. You look at how Mike Pence operates. He must, starting from that first cabinet meeting, talk about the greatness that is Donald Trump. Nikki Haley is not going to play that game. I want to I I get the professor's uh, yeah, point I, on this. Yeah, talking about sycophants, um, Barack Obama had many sycophants working with him. But I think it would be great. I... I there, it, there's got to be something that can bring people in who Trump has lost. And I still think we're underplaying the importance of who is he running against. I know you want to believe that it's going to be a centrist. We'll see. Well, I'm not I didn't convinced say at all I wanted with, to believe that. I said I think that's probably what will happen. I, I, I'm happy to talk about what I'd like to see. But if you're th- uh, the other thing is, what does it, obviously it's a woman running, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's an ethnic minority running who has a tremendous track record as governor. Right. I mean, one of the great, I think, recent profiles in Courage was what she did in the wake of, of what happened in South Carolina yep. uh, yes. with, the, with, the, with the statues down there. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is she can run for president after those after Trump's <laughs> uh, second term. And, and, and to draw, Dave brought up some good points. But the truth is, is that somebody's got to get to Trump and tell him you're not going to win unless you bring someone in and you don't need a bunch of yes people around you. Good luck with that. Yeah, I was going to say. And he is not a Facebook friend of mine. I'm just going to sure. <laughs> I think the other, you know, just one other thing on the Haley point. I think uh, 
It may be the case that she decides because she doesn't want the Trump taint. But I think the other side of it or the other piece of that is how do you put your and male and female politicians do this all the time. How do you put yourself out there as the presumptive front runner? And she may decide that, you know, even running with him because yeah. she has a good track record yeah. on some important issues, she'll well, be able to it, survive. It's also it. good to be a heartbeat away. Anyway, we've got a pause. If you want to weigh in on the possibility of Nikki Haley joining the ticket, it's a trial balloon. We're floating it tonight. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Chicago. hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's World, Weekend Update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe, catch fresh fish for dinner, even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. 
Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. We continue with our number two, if you're listening to us on radio. And let's go to Don, listening to us in Austin, Texas, on KLBJ. Go ahead. <laughs> Hi. I'm going to try to throw some blame around here. Okay, good. Uh, the the uh, stick of the Democrats for the last two years has been to suggest that Trump is a bigot, sexist, homophobe, et cetera. You know, their usual... Uh, high rate of names, right? and then to suggest that anybody who voted for him and even now who supports him are the same kind of people. Now we have the never-Trumpers come along, and they are essentially endorsing the Democrats' message that that is what Trump is, and by <clears throat> implication, uh, saying the same thing about everybody who supports them now. And since these elections are about persuasion, as uh, Doug Adams told us, I think that the Never Trumpers have done quite a bit of damage in the midterms by helping to persuade those voters and say Arizona who wanted to send the message that Trump is one of these very bad people, and then if they supported him, they would be one of those very bad people. Josh, your response? Well, I, I I'm not a fan of the Never Trumpers either, but my message after the midterms is this. We have got to, and I've said it before, figure out how to bring these folks back into the fold. And there's need to, there needs to be adjustments made uh, on the president's part, on the national GOP's part, on individual candidates' part, to reach out to the never-Trumpers and to, and to bring them back. Because we can't win by further constricting and just making this a Trump-based party. You can't win. Mike, do you agree with that? Go ahead, go ahead, Don. I don't know that you have to make it a never-Trump party. I think there needs to be an outreach to the never-Trumpers to say, hey, look, you may be principled Republicans or think that mm-hmm. you're principled Republicans by standing up for what you think is principled, but all you're really doing is making all of the Republicans principled yep. losers. I, I and, Speaking as someone who did not vote for Trump, I agree with you completely. Um, I, I was never a never-Trumper. I just did not like his economic policy. I'm an economist by training, and I did not like his economic policy. But once he was president, I could not have been happier that, that Hillary Clinton was not president. And I just wish that the, the never-Trumpers would, would back off and, and not be so – I know he's not, a, he's not a conservative. He never talks about limited government with enumerated powers. He never talks about liberty. He never talks about the things that I wish as a conservative he would talk about. But he is better than the alternative. And I fear, as the Democrats go further and further left, that I fear them more and more. And I almost have to hold my nose and vote for Mr. Trump. Don, the the operative word you have is never. If it's never, I don't think you're going to change them. I think if if, if, if you vote for somebody, I think you can vote for someone whose policies you disagree with. I think we saw that during the the Reagan administration, where you had the popularity of the man and the not-so-popularity of of a lot for independence uh, of of what he stood for. But in this particular case, if you don't like the guy, it's hard to suddenly wake up one day and like him. Mm -hmm. And there's too many things that Donald Trump does Mm -hmm. that makes him unlikable. Right. He's he's well, guess- he's crass. He's out. It, whatever it is, it's 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 the difference between uh, the people. And again, I don't mean to disparage anyone. It's the difference between the people 
who on Saturday night are going to the country club dinner and the people who on Saturday night are going to the bingo parlor. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a That's cultural a good, difference. I, yes, There's absolutely. a cultural difference. And the people that go to the country club, they do look down on the absolutely. people that, that drink beer and, and go to the bingo parlors. So I, well, I don't know. Gotta, I don't think you're going to change that. What we got to remember, though, is that for some 50 to 70 years after Roosevelt, Republicans were nice guys, and these people liked them, and they still lost. Can I just well, also Donald Donald Trump beat eighteen other Republicans? Right. Yes, he did. Absolutely. Look, I I think that I think that there's um, you have to keep in mind the fact that politics it's the oldest political expression. Politics is a game of addition, and you now have ninety percent of the Republican Party loving Trump, but the Republican Party has shrunk. Right. Yes. Um, and so if you want to win national elections, the Republican Party must grow again. Absolutely. Um, and that's, Josh, yes. that's been your point. Um, but here's the thing. What Donald Trump does on an ongoing, on a daily basis, I, I don't know if you saw this, um, uh, Don, but uh, today Donald Trump attacked the leader of the uh, raid on Osama bin Laden, the guy who killed Osama bin Laden. Exactly. And he attacked him because he didn't like the fact that um, he had been critical of Trump's uh, views on the media. Um, and he didn't just attack. fast enough. What's that? Yes, he, he said he, he didn't do it. He fast said he enough. didn't do it fast. He said he didn't kill Obama or he didn't kill bin Laden fast enough. Um, and he was going after this guy. It's like, why? Just why? just restrain yourself. So, Don't so do that, that. that. That's the that point is, about yeah. like you, you can do all you, you these things about putting Nikki Haley on the ticket, having her going out to the suburbs. But if he tweets or does something like that, he can uh, do undo more it. damage. He yeah. can undo it. Well, so that's a problem. Right. Rebecca, and then we're going to go to another call. I was just going to say, uh, I think it's true that more women vote than men vote. So if you know, on this point, uh, if these women in the, on the Republican side who did vote for Trump, who've no, now fallen off the Trump wagon, convincing, that's a bad metaphor, but are not happy with him, if they stick that way, then he can't win again because they were the margin of victory in these states. Yeah. Well, well, we're going to move on. Josh, listening to us in Knoxville, Tennessee, you don't like Nikki Haley. Why? Well, Bruce, I, first I wanted to disagree uh, with what you said. You, you're talking about her being a modern-day profile and courage. I don't agree with that at all. Um, after the, the uh, murders in Charleston, um, the South Carolina State House, uh, the Senate and the House rammed through a bill to remove the uh, Confederate objects from the state house and she signed it there were many people who said hey let's take a step back let, let, let's let's have a popular referendum and let the people of south carolina vote on this she, she wouldn't even countenance that so for you to act like that that somehow what she did was so courageous by signing this bill uh it's you that I, I i i wholly dis- disagree with okay with, uh, it being something that that was extraordinary on her part. What 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 I would say, however, and and I'm not going to challenge your point, but I w- what I would say that in the in the broader uh, image that is Nikki Haley, that was generally viewed not just by me. That was generally viewed as a very magnanimous thing to do. That's just my thought. My point is, and the, which is the big question, we've got another caller coming up who's going to weigh in on it. My question is, at this moment, if you're looking for a political commodity that is going to help Donald Trump more likely, more likely than not, maybe win the presidency, you roll the dice. 
and I look at Nikki Haley, and I look at, at, at Mike Pence, and I've got nothing against Mike Pence. You look, them, you, look, you look at them as political commodities. I don't think Pence delivers anything to the ticket that he doesn't already have. That's right. I agree. Is, is that not a, a sad commentary on where we're at in this country where uh, it's not about somebody's qualifications for office. It's what gender they are or what color. Yeah, or Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. It's where we are. And the point is, if you don't acknowledge that, then I think you're not you're not looking at reality. You may hate it. I may hate it. But the fact is, it is a reality. Yep. Nikki Haley will get Donald Trump more votes in suburbia than Mike Pence, period. Back shortly. If you look hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels. Available on your local PBS station, or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's work, weekend update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. We still want back in Chicago. Let's go to Youngstown, Ohio. Tom is listening to us on WPIC, which is out of Sharon, Pennsylvania. Go ahead. Good evening, Bruce, and to your guest. You know, Bruce, I have to respectfully disagree with you. I, I think that he should keep Pence. Uh, if, he, if he brings uh, Nikki Haley in, number one, um, I think he would lose the Tea Party base that he has. I think he would lose, lose a lot of the religious, conservative religious people that he has, that Pence actually attracted <coughs> to Trump. And, and additionally, why, Bruce, why, I, why, I why would they? Why would he lose them? Are they going to go and vote for Elizabeth exactly. Warren? Right. I, I, no, they, Where are they, they going to go? There are a lot of people that voted for Trump with the the idea that uh, you know it represents uh, Pence representing the Tea Party uh, and the uh, idea of having a religious conservative there. I, I really think. And, and here's the other thing. But let me just. But if you but but if you said to those people, and by the way, uh, you know, in in my scenario, I, I I sort of you know dismiss the Pence, give him some other important job. I mean, he could end up to be the you know the the Secretary of State or in another the position. UN ambassador. You want he could he could do a lot of things. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, at this point, this away from the presidency. Being I feel a, comfortable. I feel comfortable with Trump there and Pence behind him. Uh, if, if something were, were to happen in terms of uh, health-wise or impeachment or what have you, you know, I, I really think that Pence would, Pence would bring us even further back from going off that cliff would of you, liberalism would, and socialism would, and globalism. Would you, and, and, would you acknowledge, and you're calling from western Pennsylvania, and, would and you, also the, the area that was been, been heavily... Uh, Jim Traffickant uh, type. Right. Uh, yeah, you're you're bl- yeah you're you're a, a, a blue collar Democrat. You're a, you're a Tim Ryan Democrat, or at least in that area. But would you acknowledge that uh, the issue of being a heartbeat away? And 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 Mike Pence has been a good, steady vice president. That's exa- he was put on the ticket just to give the president some stability. 
if you can have someone on the ticket who is bringing you stability and expanding the base and what you reach, you're saying that that born-again Christians and the evangelicals would turn their back on Donald Trump if Mike Pence were to be removed from the ticket. I don't think that's the case because those people want to make sure that President Trump is reelected so he can appoint more people to the court. He's in a, I think he's in a no-lose situation. He's not going to lose Indiana. I think he's in a no-lose situation if he moves Pence. We don't want him to embarrass Pence, but literally just in the wake of, of this, the, early this week, there's been reports, you know, a rift between the Trump people and the, uh, and the Pence staff. That's the first little suggestion, and of course the president denied it, but that's the first little, uh, you know, uh, suggestion that maybe there's a little rift between the two. But again, if you're, if you're planning your, the future, and you're pl- the first thing you've got to do to govern this country is you've got to get real elected if you're Donald Trump. I understand that. But the other part of it is, I, you know, I, and I, I uh, really uh, uh, respectfully, uh, with respect to the, the, the female you have on the, on the panel there, Rebecca, as well as throughout the country, I, I think that America as a, as a whole is not ready for a woman president. They've shown that time again when women have okay. won, uh, run at, in primaries. Rebecca. Uh, Hillary, won, Hillary won by... We already elected our first woman president. Hillary won the popular she vote. Listen, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Let him hear finish, me out. Tom, let, let, him, let, him, hear me out. Let, let her finish. The popular vote, Hillary Clinton won by close to 3 million votes. It is clear that millions, millions and millions of American men as well as American women are ready to elect a woman president. We did it already. But for the system of the Electoral College, we would have our first woman president. But if you want to know about what the American people are ready for, they have proven they're ready for a woman president. They did that in 2016. So, so if I could just say that Hillary was not elected, I hate to break that news. Well, but to, she, but the, to the question, no, no, no. What I wanted to say, what I tried to say was this, that the, the, the notion that the American people, the American voters are not ready for a woman to run for the presidency and to vote for her is not true because more people I voted agree for her. I want to add, again, Tom, thanks for your call. I do appreciate yes, it. I want to ask you one quick question because uh, I want you to elaborate a little bit on what we talked about in the last hour. We all know that a vice president doesn't necessarily win you or lose you elections. Right, right. Would Nikki Haley at this moment, given the political problem that, that the president has, right, is... Is she an asset? Could she be an asset? Oh, I could think she do the things that I'm suggesting that she could do? I think there's no question she would be an asset to anyone she runs with. She's smart. She's been a governor. She's got a lot of experience at, in government. I don't uh, agree with a number of her policies, but I do think that showing that having a woman in a position of responsibility for instance, running as a vice president. It's important for people to see, to take the measure of. Um, and I think she probably, she now has some experience, for instance, that Pence does not have, having served at the U.N. So, and done a credible job. I must say, go ahead. I must say I'm, in, I'm impressed. This is a compliment to you. Too often, I've heard women say women should be in power, but only progressive women. And they will destroy. So Mia Love apparently has won. Is that a good thing that Mia Love is going to be in Congress? I mean, I know she probably doesn't agree with many of your views, but I, I think maybe the answer is yes. It's important. I think two things. It's really important for men and women 
to see women in positions of responsibility, whether it's in government or business or any other sector of American mm-hmm. life, making having responsibility to make important decisions. That is critical if women are ever going to achieve any kind of equality in the workplace, sure. whatever workplace it is. The second point I would say, and as to my own view on the policies that they may hold, I'm in favor of women electeds who advance policies that benefit women. So while I admire Mia Love for courage running in the kind of district she's won in, run in and won twice, I don't agree with many of her policies. But do I think having women in positions of responsibility is important? Yes. The last thing I would say on this, and you know this as uh, Republicans, years ago when there were a number of Republican women in the Congress who met in the middle with Democratic women, good things happened for American families related to child care, related to pay, related to health care. So there is a a precedent, I would say, for women of the two different parties coming together, as men have and as very few are doing today. We've got to go to a call. We're going to go to Eve in Toledo, Ohio, take a woman caller. Go ahead, Eve. <laughs> yes, I, I remember thinking two years ago that it was a waste having Pence as a running mate. Indiana is for forever going to vote Republican. And I think that's what they paid for in the midterms. I think if Trump would have went with somebody from Georgia or Florida, you wouldn't have seen the turnover in Congress that they had. By the way, a little history there. The reason that Pence was put on the ticket was uh, very wealthy Republicans, establishment Republicans, big business Republicans, they were scared stiff because of Donald Trump. They wanted, first and foremost, stability. Secondarily, he had very great credentials with the evangelicals. There was a worry that whether or not the evangelicals would turn out, given some of the things that Donald Trump had said and done. And so Mike Pence, in 2016, he was on that ticket for every good reason. It paid off. It's now about to be four years later. And the political equation has changed. That's why I made my suggestion. I've got nothing against Mike Pence as the vice president. He's been a good vice president. But I don't think he's going to help Donald Trump get reelected. And, 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 and that's right, Bruce. You can put Pence in a key administration role, secretary of state, and they'll be just fine with him. To get to Rebecca's point and to expand on this, it's not just Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is not going to save this situation for the Republicans. Republicans need to – we need more Mia Loves. We need more women. We need more people of color and other minorities uh, in our party and showcasing them to prevent f- – Future Orange County. Well, and, and to, not well liked by less word. other people, though. Say okay. again. In Washington, in Washington, Mike Pence is not very well liked. I don't, I don't know that. I've never heard that, but go ahead. Well, let me just make a quick point on Josh. To your point, um, when you look at the the freshman members of Congress, um, the Republicans elected twenty nine white men. Yes. One. A Latino man and one woman. Yes. 30 men, one woman. That's Democrats elected majority women um, and a variety of ethnic uh, ethnicities, including people you might not like. But but nonetheless, it's a very diverse group. We also and ran this, more. 
What's that? They ran. Oh, women overwhelmingly ran on the Democratic side. And and sometimes they lost primaries, like in the 6th District with Sean Caston. But but, but let me say this. I have three Republican legislative friends in state legislatures in this country who lost their seats in Republican-leaning districts. And, you know, they're telling me that they're, they're, they're blaming it on Trump. So we have Republican candidates, women who got swept up in, in, in this, um, you know, wave uh, against Trump, so to speak. So yeah. it's, a, it's, it, it's, not, it's not a one-size-fits-all problem. We need to attack it in a number of different ways. I, th- I think the thing to look at, stepping back from who the people are, um, is why are these Republican women uh, at the local level, at the state level, at the congressional level – they, uh, why are they losing or not getting to run in the first place? And that goes to the, uh, the policy, the, the sort of policy positions of the Republican Party as it exists today. Most Republican women are further to the left than the Republican Party agenda, so they don't get picked to be the candidates. We've got a pause on that note. Uh, thanks very much, Eve, for your call from uh, the great state of Ohio. When we come back... We're going to switch gears, and instead of just talking about politics, we're actually going to talk about policy. There is something that actually could happen between Republicans and Democrats in Washington. They could actually agree on something, and we would be talking about issues. And we're going to do that when we come back. We're going to talk about criminal justice reform. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much. One of the big pieces of news last week out of the White House was that uh, President Trump announced that he was going to uh, put support behind the first step uh, legislation, which is passed the House. And this is legislation that is reforming the criminal justice system. Not only is it dealing with issues of sentencing, it's also dealing with issues of reentry issues involving uh, prisoners in the criminal justice community. The president has uh, made this a, a, an important part of his, his campaign. At least uh, he moved it back to the front burner last week. And again, uh, joining us uh, now to uh, bring us up to date on what happened. And the reason why, and, and we've done a lot of shows on this, because I think it represents something that the national news media really doesn't cover very much. And that is, there are things that are going on in Congress every day involving Republicans and Democrats. And again, the news media is creating an impression that everything is about the fight. But there are people working in the trenches to actually address issues. Issues that affect 
people's lives, not investigations, not impeachment, not, not, not any of that stuff. I mean, literally, things that are, affect people's lives, like the criminal justice system. And so joining us right now is Brett Tallman. He is the former United States attorney for the great state of Utah, and he is with the Justice Action Network. And Mr. Tolman, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Thank you. Great to be with you. You have been, for the audience, you have been one of the point men working for your organization, working with both Republicans and Democrats and the White House, and specifically with Jared Kushner, who's taken the lead on this issue, in trying to craft the Senate legislation that hopefully will be going before uh, the Senate uh, in the not-too-distant future. It's a joint effort by Charles Grassley, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and Illinois' own Dick Durbin, uh, who is a member of that committee. Tell us a little bit about the specifics of what you're trying to iron out right now. Well, you know, your lead-in was exactly accurate. It it is bipartisan, and it is one of the maybe the last remaining areas where both sides are really trying to get something done. And I can tell you I've been working on this for almost a decade now. Uh, Prior to my life uh, in the private practice, I was a federal prosecutor. I prosecuted the kidnapper of Elizabeth Smart, and I spent a considerable amount of time putting bad guys behind bars. So why am I doing this? Uh, I'm doing it because there are, you know, there are malfunctions and, and things that are broken in the criminal justice system that we're trying to fix. And it's it's remarkable that right now under this president we seem to have the best opportunity in many many years to actually get something done that's going to have a big big impact. Well, the other thing that I've mentioned, because people who listen to this show know we've been talking about this for, for well over three years now, is prior to the election, uh, given uh, the involvement of the Koch brothers on the left, the ACLU, I mean, you, you looked at the organizations left and right that were joining together on this issue. This looked like it was sailing through, uh, through Congress uh, at that time, and then the the ugliness of the presidential campaign came along, and in 2016, nobody wanted to talk about it because people thought that it was soft on crime, and they, you know, they didn't like Hillary Clinton, and people didn't believe Donald Trump. So, so now that battle is behind, is behind us. So w- when we mention Charles Grassley and Dick Durbin are on the same side, and the publicity that came out last week said that the fraternal order of police which had endorsed Donald Trump, that they support this legislation. But then Senator Cotton popped up and the National Sheriff's Association popped up. So what is it about the legislation, Brett, that they don't like? Well, the reality is there are some that still believe that uh, being tough on crime means you just increase the length of incarceration. But there are states like Texas, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina, Utah, who have realized we can actually preserve greater public safety and lower crime rates if we'll focus on some very meaningful reforms. So smart on crime has seemed to taken what taken the place of uh, tough on crime. Senator Cotton is simply outdated, and he is, I think hamstrung by an old notion that uh, if we just incarcerate our way out of all of our potential problems, we'll, we'll be fine. But that's not what happens in reality. 
So I, I commend folks. I mean, you could count in one on one hand how many times Dick Durbin and Chuck Grassley have been on the same page on something. Right. But the no, fact it that really, they are yep. could tell you that that it it's meaningful. No, this is this is a remarkable piece of legislation, and it and it's a unique time because it 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 also it affects all constituencies. I mean, the, the the number of people that are incarcerated in the United States it's more than any nation, a free nation in, in the world, major nation in the world, and, and yet the the impact on the lives, not only on the sentencing side, but the fact that when someone comes out, it's almost impossible for them to get back on the right track. And, and these are common sense things that, you know, it, it, it bothers me when I hear that, uh, you know, sheriffs have, have emerged as, as a perhaps a roadblock here. Well, I, th- I think they don't understand the bill, and to be honest with you. Um, many people don't understand the distinction between federal and state criminal law. Mm-hmm. But we took and patterned this first step back after what happened in Texas. Texas was facing um, tough budgetary issues, and they had ballooning uh, prisons. And what happened? They made some changes, and they ended up closing, um, you know, eight prisons and Mm -hmm. saving over $4 billion, all while their crime rate and recidivism rate went down. So how did they do it? What they simply did was assess uh, the risk of recidivism and then offered training and education and, you know, faith-based programming to reduce that risk of recidivism. And they start, that's how they saved money. That's how they closed prisons and all while increasing public safety. So this is one, that's why you have both sides, right and left, joining mm-hmm. on this kind of criminal justice reform. Right. Yeah, because the, the, uh, the, the fiscal aspect of it is very, I mean, if you're a sound fiscal conservative, this should be a no-brainer for you. But if you're That's also, right. if you are a family values uh, Christian or a family values American, period, the family values that are involved with breaking up, uh, you know, a family or not giving someone who's paid their debt to society, and I want to question, I want to repeat that. This is, this, this is on, the, on the recidivism rate and driving down the recidivism rate. This is for people who have done the crime. They've paid their time. They want to get on with their lives. They want to do good. And doors are being shut in their, in their faces all the time because of a lack of common sense. And this, this legislation deals with that common sense aspect of it. Well, you're exactly right. Very few people realize that 95% of all those incarcerated get out. Do you want them getting out more likely to commit crime, or do you want them getting out with some training, some programming, some education? Because that's the distinction between those that do commit crimes when they get out versus those that don't. Uh, Josh Cantro is here. He is a Republican. He has a question for you. Brett, this sounds uh, very commonsensical to me. I was just wondering, where is the bill now, and what is the prospect? What is the next step in terms of timing and prospect for passage? Great question. The bill passed out of the House of Representatives um, overwhelmingly. Uh, I, I, I think it was one of the you know more remarkable uh, bills to come out of the House. So it came with great momentum. It's in the Senate. And the Senate Majority Leader has indicated that if there are 60 votes for passage, he'll put it on the floor 
Right now, we estimate there's about 80 votes for passage. The president has endorsed it. The pre a president who has said he wants to be nothing but tough on crime. Um, so right now, it's really in the hands of uh, the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell. As soon as he puts it on the floor for a vote, it will pass. And the president has said, I'm at my desk with a pen ready to sign. So for this audience of our program, if, if, if you're asked to do something, you should be contacting Mitch McConnell's office in Washington, urging okay. them to put this up for a vote because you think you have the votes there. And uh, uh, I guess another question I would ask is you mentioned you've got 80 votes now. I mean, is there something magical to you that this should be done now in the lame duck uh, you know, session? Is, is there something yeah. good that it's done now as opposed to next uh, January 15th? Yes. And, I, you know, I've worked on this for about eight plus years, and this is our best chance to get it passed. If we go to the next, if, if we go into January, then uh, we're, we're back to square zero. We have a House of Representatives that will now be in control by the Democrats. So you have no guarantee you'll be able to get this kind of a compromise between the left and the right to come out of the House. So it's it's a game changer right now. So we have three weeks, basically, to get this done. So it would have to go back to the House even if it happens in the lame duck session? Or does that only happen no, no. if it goes over into January? Yes, only if it, only if it goes into January. Okay. Right now, yeah. the, the House will be able to take what the Senate does and uh, put it on the calendar and pass it out and, uh, within a couple of weeks. If the Senate passes this, I think it'll be on the desk of the president. Yeah, I mean, it would, I mean, it, it passed in the House overwhelmingly. So again, yes. this is the time to do it. It isn't about the speaker. It's about Mitch McConnell. And again, Mitch McConnell has to be given the word that uh, this is something that people want. When I come back, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the opposition that's out there. And sure. whether or not we can address in a reasonable, common sense way, uh, whether there's any validity to some of the uh, uh, concerns they have. We'll do that with Brett Tallman, former United States attorney for Utah. And he is now with Justice Action Network, putting the criminal justice reform package together in the U.S. Senate. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City, just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood.
We're back on the air, and Brett Tolman is with us, and he is with Justin Action Network. And by the way, uh, we're going to ask uh, Brett to give a uh, uh, an email address if people want to reach, or a website uh, if people want to reach and know more about the organization and how you can help. But again, the most important thing, he can give you specifics, but uh, it's called the First Step Act. That's still the working name, Brett? Yes, okay. First Step Act. Also, let's go to Dave uh, Lundy, who's got a comment. Well, I have, uh, I have two quick questions. One is, um, this is in Mitch McConnell's hands. Wouldn't this be a lot more likely to come to a vote if Donald Trump got fully behind it? I know he said that he's supportive, but isn't there a great opportunity for him there to actually get involved um, and push it harder. And, and the second thing is, I'm, I'm curious about your perspective, since we all know that, um, uh, that there's so much incarceration of, of African-Americans in particular, uh, but there's so much excessive incarceration because of the war on drugs. I'm wondering how you feel about marijuana legalization efforts. Sure. Great questions. Um, with respect to the first part, the president has unequivocally endorsed the First Step Act and said, I've got my pen ready, uh, you know, passing, get it on my desk and I'll sign it. I, I also think, though, that I, he will be reaching out personally to uh, Mitch McConnell and to others. Let's face it, those that are opposed to this simply are behind in terms of their analysis of the data. And they, they also are behind in not understanding how this is polling politically. Um, if you take, for example, among conservative voters, nearly 80% are in favor of criminal justice reform. That's something that, you know, I think some of these uh, more seasoned Republicans probably aren't used to seeing and, and certainly have to adjust their perspective in terms of what the polling is on it. Right. Uh, w- with respect to your second question, which I, I think is a very key, key point to raise. Look, I was a federal prosecutor for a decade. I was appointed by George Bush to be the U.S. attorney. Uh, I implemented federal law, uh, you know, with a lot of aggressiveness. And my philosophy was, let's put bad guys behind jail. But having educated myself, studied and, and learned from my own experience, I can tell you we flat out lost the war on drugs. There's no question. You can't be any student of history and come to any other conclusion. But what we have seen is that those states that have taken a different approach to low-level drug users and dealers have been able to make incredible, uh, uh, you know, success in, in terms of incarcerating less, rehabilitating more, and lowering your, your incarceration rate. And, and that's frankly something that has to be done at the federal level. We're, we're still behind the state when it comes to the criminal justice system, uh, in, uh, you know, the federal criminal justice system right. in this country. And you also, as you referenced earlier, you're behind the curve with primarily conservative Republican states. I mean, Rick Perry, when he was the governor of Texas, granted the, the death penalty was there. That always got a lot of publicity. But the fact is that was one of the most uh, progressive states, and I mean progressive insofar as change for the good, 
of any states. But you mentioned Georgia and South Carolina and other states. So, I mean, the, 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 the leadership that's going on in the state is now being recognized by what's happening at the federal level. And that's what this legislation is all about. And politicians, obviously, they're good at reading the tea leaves. All you have to do is to go back to the Tuesday election last, and that is in, this, in the state of Florida that elects a Republican governor and a Republican senator. It passed overwhelmingly right. a ballot initiative that said that former ex-offenders could vote. Prior That's to that, right. they couldn't vote in Florida. So here you have a state, a battleground state, over 60% of the people in Florida. That's contemporary political thinking in the state of Florida right now with Republican governor and senators-elect. They're for this. They're for this. Right. I mean, this, is, this really is. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort, it, it is sort of a no-brainer, but I, I want to go back to where this opposition, you know, the, 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 uh, the Sheriff's Association. The, behind the three strikes movement of the 1990s, which led to, you know, three strikes and you're out and lock, lock, throw the key away during the, the Clinton administration when over-incarceration became a major problem in this nation. Behind that were the prison guards, the union that represents the prison guards. Do we have a situation now, Brett, where maybe the sheriffs are worried that we're not going to need as many sheriffs in the future? Mm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I will tell you that it's puzzling to me to see a group such as the sheriffs to oppose reform in the federal criminal justice system. It is so different than the state system. Very few people know that in the federal system there's no parole. You um, have high mandatory minimum sentences. You have individuals like Weldon Angelos who was – convicted of selling dime bags of marijuana was imprisoned for 55 years in the federal system with no parole. Nobody wow. got hurt. Amazing. He sells dime bags of marijuana. Brett, we are out of time for the, we're out of time for this segment. Can you please give us the website for the Justice Action Network or how people can reach you if they yeah. want to help you in this campaign? Yeah. Re- reach out to justiceactionnetwork.org or reach out to me at uh, rqn.com. Happy to to work on this in the future. Justinactionnetwork.org. They'll give you all the specifics, but if you believe in this process, you got to get to Mitch McConnell. He's got to call this bill this year. Thanks to all of our guests for being with us. Brett Tallman, thank you very much. Our thanks to Fritz Goldman and Dan Dorfman and Sam Greenberg for the production in this program. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. 
I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's World, Weekend Update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe, catch fresh fish for dinner, even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. 